Welcome to The Corporate Middle. I'm your host, Donald Metter. My goal on this show is to give you some actual advice you can put into action today as a middle manager. And what we're going to talk about today uh, is dealing with those time-sucking low performers on your team. I recently had the question posed to me. I have one member on my team who's taking up all my time. They're not performing at the level I need them to, but I don't have time to focus just on them and the things that are important. What should I do? Now that is a great question and something we all struggle with from time to time. The worst thing about being a middle manager is other people. Namely, people on your team that are just awful and they just they can't get the job done. You're going to find that you know, as a manager, you're going to spend this, this huge amount of time on these individuals. And it's a completely ineffective and inordinate amount of time when viewed with the rest of the things that you actually have to do for your job. Matter of fact, a Robert Half survey conducted a few years ago revealed that some managers were spending upwards of 17% of their time just managing poor performers. Now, that's the equivalent of nearly one day a week. Now, I have a sports background, so let's try and look at this from the sports perspective. The New England Patriots, arguably you know, one of the greatest NFL franchises in history. You know, that team is pretty much a given to compete for championships. You know, Tom Brady is their very famous starting quarterback. Again, arguably one of the greatest to ever play the game. Now, here's the question for you. Who is actually Tom Brady's backup? Well, his name is Brian Hoyer. And now some of you may know that if you're a true New England Patriots fan. Okay, well, well, how about who's the third string quarterback? The guy who's at the very bottom of that quarterback depth chart. Who is it? His name is Danny Etling. Now, the head coach of the Patriots is Bill Belichick. How much time do you think he spends worrying about good old Danny? When they're practicing to get ready for their game for the weekend, how much practice time do you think that third-string quarterback is going to get with the first team? And the answer is none, because you have limited time to practice and get ready for the week. Brian Hoyer's the, the second-team guy. He's going to get maybe 0 to 20% of time in practice. Coaches focus on the players that are going to make them win the game. We as leaders have to do the exact same thing. If Bill Belichick spent his practice time trying to get Danny Etling up to the same level as Tom Brady, everybody would think he is nuts because you have to focus your time where it's most valuable. You have limited time and limited resources. Focusing our attention in on one area only makes us move the focus from somewhere else. So it's so important to make sure you're spending that time effectively. Now, this could come off as a little cold, and you know that's certainly not the intention. You know, you don't want to just ignore people. You know, your your third stringer on your team is still well a part of your team. You need to understand why they're so bad at their job to figure out just how you need to proceed. And from what I've found in my experiences, you know, there's really four main reasons that someone is just awful at their job. Now, the first is that it's a situational issue. It could just be a bad project, you know, not getting along with the team or, you know, sometimes there are projects that for whatever reason, it's just a no win scenario. There may be political issues 
or just some ridiculous deadlines. It's the situation itself causing the issue, not the person. It's not that hard, actually, believe it or not, to identify the situation versus the person by being able to talk to the previous managers and the previous peers and even their current peers. Has there actually been good performance at some point in the past? A bit side note is you're actually part of the situation. You as a manager might be the one who's causing the poor performance. This is not always the most popular thing either. you got to think about this. Are you actually the cause? Are you not giving clear feedback? Are you not giving clear goals? When we consider someone a low performer, it's because they're not meeting some agreed to level of performance. So you're culpable to this. Are you the one that hasn't brought that performance to their attention, told them what the bar is? And so that's the first thing is, is really identifying, look, is this some sort of situational issue and not personal? That's the first thing you want to do. Now, the second reason is just a lack of skill. Maybe they just don't know how to do the job. So what you need to do as a manager is figure out, can they be trained or, or can it be taught? You want to have them partner up with someone else on the team that knows what the heck they're doing. I remember when we went through a reorganization and a highly technical engineer was moved from his current team and forced to become a project manager. It, it <laughs> As you might imagine, it was a complete disaster. You know, he had no idea what he was doing. He didn't even like project managers, so the thought of being one was was just disgusting to him. And, and so he didn't know what was expected. He had no clue what to do, what was expected. And, and so that was identified that, again, it wasn't really him. It was a bad fit for the job. And so it was a little bit situational, but there was a lack of skill there. He, he wasn't trained. He didn't understand what it was. And so once that was recognized, they took the time, they took the effort to train the individual spend some time coaching him on what was required, and eventually he did get where he needed to be and and actually ended up enjoying the role. And so that's important to notice. Is there is there just a lack of skill in this environment? Have they not been trained? Do they not know how to do the job? Now, the third one is a little tougher. Maybe they are just not capable of doing the job. You can't put someone without the skills or the knowledge or the capability in a role and expect them to succeed. You can't put someone who hates people in charge of answering the phone. You can't expect someone who has never written computer code in their life to be proficient as a developer overnight. But this happens all the time, especially when you start talking reorganizations and projects and things like that. People get moved into roles that, you know, even with years of experience, that's just it's just not something they can do. They're not going to get better. It's not a training issue. It's it's none of that. They're just they just can't do it. They can't do the job. That happens. No matter how much energy you pour into a person as a leader, you're not going to be able to train a dog to be a cat. Right? They can pretend all they want, but a dog's a dog. It is what it is. And sometimes you have to recognize this as a leader that this individual is not capable of doing this job. What you have to do is find a way to put them in a position where there's some task that they are suited to. Or you've got to get them out. Get them out as fast as you can. Now, number four, this is the worst of the bunch. And in my opinion, actually one of the hardest to handle. A bad attitude. People get pissed. People get screwed over by the company all the time. And that bitterness can lead to some really poor performance 
Or, you know, they may just have some awful things happening in their personal life that's causing a lot of stress, you know, illness, family issues. You know, sometimes it's just so hard to pin down where these bad attitudes may be coming from. In addition, you should think about that the bad attitude is actually a symptom as well. So the first three items we talked about actually could cause a bad attitude. So you really have to kind of hit these in order to make sure you're seeing, you know, where's the root of some of these problems. Bad attitude, you know, you've heard this, you've read about it, we all know it. It really is a cancer that can just spread through the team and undermine your authority. You've got to deal with it up front and you've really got to deal with it quickly. You got to address it, you know, right with that individual one on one. Say, hey, what the heck is going on? What could I change to help you? What can I do to help out? If someone truly has a bad attitude, you know, the truth is there, there's not a lot you can do as a manager to fix it. You can do everything you can to make the environment better and things like that. But hey, man, if they don't want to have a better attitude, it's not going to happen. I'm sure you're a fantastic motivational speaker, which, you know, might provide a small boost of performance in the short term. People are going to return to the average level of their performance over time. You just, you can't fix this. I remember sitting in a meeting with my director and other managers as we looked at all the employees in our organization and, you know, we had to let somebody go. So there was a stack rank and two people really were right there at the bottom of the list. There was a lot of arguments back and forth. And, you know, there was just some debate about who should be let go and who should be retained. My director settled the argument pretty quickly. He said, I think this guy has a bad attitude and we don't need him around. He's gone. I want him out. That was that. Attitude was the final determinant in who stayed and who got laid off. So we've talked about four of the main reasons that somebody is just awful at their job. The first is, you know, it's a situational issue. Number two, maybe it's it's a lack of skill. Number three, they may be not capable. And finally, number four, it's just a bad attitude. And as we talked about each of these what you should see is basically two of these four, you can kind of do something about. What that means is, you know, you can fix situational as much as you can. You can look at a lack of skill, but, you know, if somebody's just not capable or there's a bad attitude, there's, no, there's only so much you can do as a leader. You've got to figure out a way to get them in a different position that's going to fit them better or just get them out. What you really look at and means is that a low performing employee, you're going to be able to fix, if you will about 50% of the time. Now, Jack Welch, uh, who's the world-famous CEO of General Electric, would uh, you know have us to believe that our talent is normally distributed. And what that means is that Welch believes that you've got to treat your top 20% of your employee workforce like superstars. Now, this is a direct quote from him that you want to make them feel loved, hug them, Give them cash. Give them rewards in the soul and in the wallet. Do everything for them. For the middle 70%, show them what they need to do to get to the top 20%. And for the bottom 10%, well, you need to tell them why they should move on. And you're going to do that over you know, a certain amount of time. Tell them what their shortfalls are. Tell them they're in the bottom percent. You don't give them a raise, and you tell them to leave. Tell them over the next several months, we're going to find the right place for you. In middle management, we don't always have the luxury of asking our folks to leave like Jack Welsh believes, but 
One thing he's got right is that candor is way better than just fake false kindness. I know I had a member on one of my teams who was really vastly underperforming. And I had a very candid conversation with that individual. And I told him, I said, hey, this is exactly what I expect of you. This is where you're falling short. And if you continue along this path, you're going to be giving a poor rating at the end of the year, which is going to directly impact you financially. Now, you know what happened? That performance of that employee did a complete 180. It turned around and he became a huge value to the team. Several months later, he actually called me and thanked me for giving him that feedback and said, no one had ever been clear to me about what I needed to do and where I was falling short. Now, there's no need to sugarcoat it and say that, you know, that's the way it happens every time. And every conversation I've had with an employee about poor performance has not always went (laughs) quite so well. But a candid conversation is the right way to go. If it hadn't turned around, I was prepared to do what was necessary to move on. It's a hard task to look another human being in the eye and tell them you are bad at your job. But you have to do it. Because it's your job. Otherwise, your boss is going to look at you and say, you're bad at your job. That's why you are the manager. And what kind of goes along with that is, once again, Jack Welch. Uh, He was one of the big proponents of a forced ranking system where everyone has to follow the bell curve and you have to hit this 10-80-10. Everyone's ranked against everybody else. And then a ton of companies followed suit. You can only have so many people performing highly. You got a bunch of people in the average, and there's always people at the bottom. And the reason they had to go to this forced ranking system is because managers are so bad at managing performance. They knew their workforce was not nearly as good as their performance reviews led them to believe. They had to create this culture where people are in competition with one another instead of collaborating and cooperating. Managers are awful at talking to poor performers. We have no one but ourselves to blame when it comes time to stack rank in the organization. Speaking of stack rank, let's come full circle back to our low performers. So here's an exercise I want you to do. Go grab a sheet of paper and a pen. Make a list of your team top to bottom. Go ahead, do it. Stack rank. I know it's a dirty word sometimes, but let's do it. Who's the best? Who's the worst right now? I want you to take a look at that list and make a determination. See how much time you're spending with each of these individuals per week. You've now identified who your low performers are and how much time a week you're spending with them. We're going to go back to that original question. How much time should you actually be spending trying to fix them? Your superstars, your Tom Brady's, you should be spending 50% of your time helping them. Now, not micromanaging them. They, they need their freedom, but you want to support them with anything they need. You want to talk to them. You want to coach them. What do they need to be more successful? Even look at remedial tasks that they have. You can take off their plate and give to someone else so they can focus on what they are best at. We have a tendency to reward high performers by just leaving them alone. They're good. They've got their job. We don't need to help them. But the reality is, is we're actually ignoring them. High performers want to be challenged and get better. You've got to make sure that you get the right training and coaching and cross-organizational interactions, opportunities for them to shine. Give them a reason to enjoy working for you, 
or they're going to look elsewhere. Your backups, your Brian Hoyers, this should be about 40% of your time. How can you leverage their time or talents to groom them to get them to be the starter? How can they be the next superstar? How can they bump up? Where are their weaknesses that they need to focus on to move to the top of the list? What training and support do they need? Your entire focus with them is looking at those weaknesses and seeing where you can train them and move them up to the top of the list. And finally, the third string, your Danny Etlings. This is just 10% or whatever happens to be left of your time. Your focus with them should be how to move them to another job. Get them out of your organization altogether. After you've analyzed why their performance is so terrible, we talked about the four categories it stems from. Situational, lack of skill, not capable, bad attitude. Can you remedy any of these issues? If you can't, it's time to move on. Don't waste your time. Being a manager, uh, as we continue to talk about on every one of these podcasts, is hard. And we think we can just coach some people up to a median level of performance. And sometimes our pride may get in the way. Sometimes we genuinely want to help people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you do a disservice to your entire team and to your company if you spend an unbalanced amount of time with a poor performer. I know that over my career, I definitely got stuck in that loop where I took it upon myself to help a poor performer. I poured so much time and energy trying to get this individual up to standard. But in the end, the problem really was just a bad attitude. It could not be fixed. And after months and months of effort, we had to let him go. I don't in any way regret trying, but I also recognize that other things had to slip because my attention was diverted. You can't save everyone, and your responsibility as a manager is to the entire team's success. The truth is people don't change all that much, and you know, you're not going to force them to change. If people don't care, there's nothing you can say or do to make them care. The hardest thing to accept as a manager is you need to be okay with letting them fail. It's not a defect of your leadership if one of your team members fail. They're adults. It's up to them to choose the success that you can help facilitate. Don't give the work they can't get done to high performers. That's what usually happens. And as I talked about in the previous section, you, you got to do the reverse, right? You should be taking remedial work off of high performers and getting it to someone else. Instead, as managers, we do the opposite and we give the low performers work to high performers. It's completely backwards. Your job is not to make them improve. Your job is to tell them where they can improve. Change is only going to be facilitated through their failure. And that's that's just a fact. The onus is on them. Either they're going to get the message or they're not going to be around long. If you think at some point further action may need to be taken, then document, 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 document. And we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode, how to fire somebody. Every coaching call, every issue is going to have to make sure HR is in the loop on what's happening. So let's sum this up. A poor performer is on your team taking up your time. What do you do about it? You don't ignore them and you don't tolerate it. Understand the underlying cause of the issue and either fix it or move on. But never spend more than 10% of your time in a week 
dealing with that person. It's not beneficial to you or the team's goals. Thanks for listening today. I love answering your pressing middle management questions on how to just get through your day. We're going to figure out what works and what doesn't work. If you have a question you want me to answer or just a crazy story you want me to share, head on over to thecorporatemiddle.com or just send me an email, donald at corporatemiddle.com. Look forward to hearing from you. And remember, the reward for good work is just more work. See you next time.